like, you know, I mean, a fourth round pick for Josh Uche would have done it. Um, Kyle Duggar, I would have thought more about it. But, you know, look, Nick, the bottom line is if these guys are here, that's fine. If they believe, like, in these players, their young core, then start signing freaking players to second contracts and not punters. You know, they don't sign anybody to second contracts. When the price gets up there, they let them go. Or, you know, in the old days, what they used to do was overpay for like Devin McCourty or Dante Hightower when they get one foot out the door. The Greg Bedard Patriots podcast is brought to you by FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. All right, so another week, another loss that we got to talk about. Also, lots of news. Trade deadline, Josh McDaniels canned earlier this morning by the Raiders. We'll get to all of that. First, I'll tell you, the episode is brought to you by FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. Greg, we start with Josh McDaniels. Late last night, the news comes out. Mark Davis, of course, it's the Raiders. It's how they do things. They decide to fire Josh McDaniels. They fire Dave Ziegler, the GM out there. And they also fired Mick Lombardi, who is the uh, offensive coordinator with McDaniels out there in Vegas. Just your thoughts on the firing of McDaniels. Uh, Well, I have a lot of thoughts. Um, I don't know how many of them are well thought out at this point. Um, I will say at the top, just to let people know, um, because I I get my game film um, from a a certain source like i don't get it from nfl plus because it's it's completely horrible and uh <laughs> but but i have a way of getting film in a timely manner normally very timely um that's uh much more conducive to my work like it's all offense all defense all special teams like all, each is a separate fi- uh file anyways long story short the guy who supplies the film apparently had internet issues all day on monday so i got pushed back an entire day on the work that I normally do. I mean, normally I get, normally I had the film by like noon on Monday at sort of like the latest. I didn't get the film until I woke up on Tuesday. So um, just to let people know, like uh, I'm, I've been a little bit behind and so is this pod. So my apologies um, for not getting this up sooner. Uh, I'm McDaniels. Um, You know, I guess my first thought, Nick, um, would be, um, you know, I look, I, I, you know, I understand this is a uh, we're in the entertainment business. We're in, um, you know, sports business and it's cutthroat and it's easy, you know, people on Twitter to say fire this guy, fire that guy. Um, you know, it's a little bit different when, you know, you know, the people, um, you know, I went through this with Bill O'Brien um, going through this with Mo- Josh McDaniels. You know, the particulars involved, you know how hard they work. And, um, you know, so my first thought is, you know, one that's that's, you know, personal that, you know, it's disappointing to me, um, you know, what happened. And I feel bad for Josh and his family because it's not just Josh. I know, you know, it's easy to for people to hate Josh McDaniels. That's not been my experience with him. They think this and that of him. That hasn't been my experience with him over, you know, many years uh, in sort of different capacities. And, you know, and there's also, you know, a family involved. It's not just Josh McDaniels and the visor, what you think of him on the sidelines. There's also, you know, wife and kids and, and that whole situation, along with everybody who works for him, who are all going to be looking for jobs right now. And, and look, and obviously hits different when it's someone from the Patriots family who, you know, you have a, uh, a long history with. So that's my, my first thought. Um, 
My second thought is uh, 25 games is a joke. Like, you know, at least if, and I don't know what Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler said to, to Mark Davis when he hired them or the pitch that they gave him. And I can, I can guarantee you it wasn't, you guys made the playoffs last year. We're going to take you to another level. It wasn't that. And I know the fans thought that that was going to happen. Um, there, there's a whole lot of things, especially with that team that made the playoffs, quote unquote, made the playoffs. They really weren't that good um, by any statistical ma- measure that year and got, you know, lucky getting into the playoffs. Uh, you know, I know to a certain degree of certainty that, you know, Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler told Mark Davis basically in so many words, you need a complete rebuild here. You know, what's gone on with personnel, all the draft failings that they, you know, they, I remember there was one stat, I couldn't find it recently, but it, it was how many games are, how many games were being played by draft picks um, of the team. And the Raiders were way down below from the Mayock and Gruden, uh, you know, sort of experience. The, um, you know, the quarterback position was one of that needed to be rebuilt. I know there are people like, you know, who like Derek Carr and things like that. You know, I could tell you that it was not not just Dave Ziegler and, and Josh McDaniels who wanted Derek Carr gone for a long time, um, you know, with the Raiders. And, and look, I, I just – McDaniels wasn't winning anything with Carr. Um, that was there on film. He left too many plays – on the field last year, he needed to go, you know, the quarterback playing after him, you know, Jimmy's Jimmy has not played well. So, but anyway, my main point is, you know, if Mark Davis agreed to, to, to buy into a vision of, we need to do a total rebuild and we might take a step back before we go forward. You don't end that after 25 games. If, If that's, if Mark Davis thought that the team should go from 10 and, six, 10, and seven, whatever they were in the playoffs to go beyond that. They were just looking for somebody to put them over the top. He should have hired somebody different with a different plan. So this is Mark Davis, not living to me. It's him not living up to his side of the bargain, which he's entitled to. He's the owner. Um, You know, my other thought is from watching this team and I haven't watched them a ton on film last year. I definitely watched all of them and studied them very closely last year. I've watched some of their films after this, uh, after this was completed, or we got the news last night, I actually, you know, took more time. I watched the I watched the Raiders' offensive film um, from Monday night against the Lions because I wanted to see the part that the quarterback played in it, and it wasn't quite as bad as I thought it was going to be, but it was pretty bad. I mean, most of it was on the protection, but you know, Jimmy had. You know, one time in the end zone, severely underthrew Devontae Adams. That should have been a touchdown. He had two other plays that should have been wide open and a touchdown. They make those plays that game's a much different game. But, and that's also sort of been the key. Basically, the theme of McDaniel's 25 games in Vegas on film to me was whether it was the coaching or the quarterback or a combination of both. Raiders quarterbacks did not make the play enough plays that were that were presented to them by the scheme, by the play calling to put this team over the top. It was there on film. It didn't do it. Why that didn't happen, I don't know. 
And I mean, I, I think, you know, I, I don't know, Nick, if you have any questions about it, anything in, in particular, but just off the top of my head, um, you know, those are sort of my thoughts. And I guess, I guess we'll get in the New England component of it, but, uh, you know, I'll be interested in your thoughts on it as well. Yeah, I just don't think he's a good head coach. I, I don't think he's proven he's a good head coach. Some mistakes that he has made from a, an operational standpoint, clock management, uh, certain situations with score and time. I, I just I don't think he was good enough. I, I think there's two separate topics here. There's there's the McDaniels and, and what he did and what Ziegler did and the job that they did. And then there's the ownership piece of this. So I don't think McDaniels was a good coach. I don't think he ever proved that he was a good coach. I think he's had two opportunities and, and he was not good at either one of them. I would say that, you know, the pathway and, and as you said, Greg, if they went to if Ziegler and McDaniels went to Davis and said, this is going to be a slower rebuild, that's fine. But then act like it's a slower rebuild. They didn't act that way. I mean, when you go out there and you sign Chandler Jones to that contract, when you make the trade for Devontae Adams and you give him that contract, when you replace Derek Carr and the plan is Jimmy Garoppolo, another bridge quarterback that's going to get you at best, what, eight, nine wins? To me, McDaniels and Ziegler, they did a Belichick. They, like, they wouldn't choose a path. You, you either have to completely blow it up and say, John Gruden ruined this program. We're starting from scratch. It's going to take three, four years. Or you do what they did, which was invest assets into the top wide receiver in football, pay a bunch of money to one of the top edge rushers in football. So I just, they seem to be trying to do both at the same time. They seem to be trying to spend money and bring talent onto the roster. That was kind of a win now mentality, but then they also understood to a point that they didn't have enough talent on the roster and they needed to build through the draft. So it was just really a mixed message. And I don't know if that was Mark Davis saying, let's spend on the toys. I don't know. But if a rebuild is a rebuild. And to me, Jimmy Garoppolo is not a rebuilding quarterback. We know who he is. So I think some of the decisions that were made just leaves me kind of confused on what the plan was. It didn't seem like they had a clear plan. As far as the ownership, Mark Davis stinks. And that's what I would say. You know, look, you can say that McDaniels wasn't a good coach and that he failed a number of times. But when you fire a guy 25 games in, that says more about the ownership and the process. It mm-hmm. means that you you had no idea. So I, I just think this was – it kind of looked like a rudderless mess in Vegas. I don't think the plan on the field made sense if you're totally rebuilding. I think the owner was not patient for a rebuild, and I, I think it's just a disaster. And you have a mercurial owner who pulls the trigger overnight. So I, I just – I don't have much hope for the Vegas program with Mark Davis as the owner right now. Uh, but to skip ahead, I do think now the question, and I've already seen it on X this morning, Greg, is will Josh McDaniels be back in New England? Um, yeah, we'll get to that in a second. I just, you know, I, I don't disagree, um, you know, with your ins- assessment. I, I still think, um, I still think, I, well, I know Josh McDaniels is a really good football coach. Whether he's a head coach, I, I think he he has the potential to be a good coach. Um, obviously, the results aren't there. So, you know, maybe that should tell me something. But, I, I you know, I, I just think that the second time around, I think that, um, you know, I, I just thought that I thought that McDaniels needed, especially after the first season, you know, given the first year to get his program under 
under wraps, um, get it going. But I thought that he needed to he needed to get away from play calling. Like he needs to he needs to be a CEO head coach um, to make the team the best that it can be. Sort of you know help make the one or two plays that determine games. I mean, you know, you look at the last two years. I you know how many games did they lose by one score or less? I mean that that shows that you're 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 there, but you're not quite there. And I thought that he could have put them over the top. Um, if he was out of the offensive play calling. Um, and I do I do agree with you about the the mixed messaging as far as what they were doing. I think, and I don't know this, I think their plan was to add a few key pieces to, um, especially Devontae Adams. The Chandler Jones thing, I never, I never really understood. Um, he didn't fit the Patriots program when they let him go. And I didn't think he was going to fit the program when he came back here and he was aging and uh, back into the Patriots sort of system. Um, and that was just a complete mess. So I agree with you. I think the plan was to do, uh, you know, help them in the short term sort of bridge the gap. And in the quarterback, you can you can group in there. I think they I think you're probably right. Like, you know, the more I think about it, they put it. They probably just should have done a hard reset just totally and said, we need to tear this down. And the owner needed to come out and say, look, this I, I believe we needed to tear this down. We need to build it back up. I'm on board with it. They have X amount of years to get it done, but we want to see progress. Um, <clears throat> you know, but they decided not to do it, I think, because of Josh's experience in Denver. He tried to do it in a nicer, gentler way and not to be, you know, Josh Denver 2.0 and but the bottom line is like it's a complete joke to give somebody 25 games like if you believed in their vision I mean at least give them to the end of the year yeah it doesn't look good right now yeah but you know you never know I mean the Lions were one in six last year and if Mark Davis was the owner of the Lions Dan Campbell would have been out there's no there's no no question about that and I understand there are different signs the Lions um the Lions offense was was good last year. So you can see that it was about the defense and, but still, you know, it, you know, to, you at least have to give them to the end of the second year. And to me, you know, this is Mark Davis, like having an open air uh, suite in Vegas and hearing it from the fans and not wanting to hear it anymore and being out in public and having rabbit ears. So my advice to coaching candidates going forward is, you know, make sure your owner sits up in a box that with a lot of closed windows, or at least people aren't around them. I mean, how much differently would it be if, if Kraft had, you know, Patriots fans in that Saints loss, like going up and down, you know, yelling at him, like as we've seen the video with Mark Davis. Anyways, uh, the New England component of this, uh, I have no idea. I mean, it's possible. Um, you know, I'm, I'm glad everybody's thinking about themselves and their football team after somebody just, you know, loses their jobs and, and things like that. But, you know, I assume Josh McDaniels is going to need he's. You know, and he has another four years left on his contract. I, I would highly doubt that he does anything this year. Maybe towards the end of the year, I don't know. But I think he, he, you always need time to compress, reflect. You know, gather the family. What's the family going to do? Are they coming right. back to Massachusetts? Like, you know, all there's a lot of bigger picture life things than you know whether Josh McDaniels can help the Patriots. But I, you know, he did this. Um, you know, when he was done in St. Louis. 
He worked with Billy O. That's when Bill O'Brien was going to go to Penn State and Josh came on for the playoff run. So that wouldn't be a foreign concept. Um, I'm not sure that Josh wants to do that again. But, you know, who knows? I think that the most likely course is Josh takes the rest of the season off, um, you know, goes home, spends time with his family, um, and then figures out what he wants to do next. Yeah, I mean, look, uh, it's all going to be a personal decision. And Lord knows I've made a personal decision, you know, recently about leaving the career that I love and coming across the country for family. So I, I get the, the family component for sure. Uh, it, the question I think for Josh is where is his future when everything gets settled? You know, he, he might take the rest of this year. As you said, he's going to get paid handsomely from Mark Davis. So he's not going to be struggling financially, but he's going to have to think about what his fu- football future is. The, does he have a football future? Uh, where where could he get a job? You know, mm-hmm. how much damage has this done to his reputation? I don't think a ton because coordinator is different from head coach. But is there a possibility that he ends up back in New England? Of course there is. They don't have to pay him, number one. And we've seen that Belichick and Kraft love that idea of adding to the staff without having to pay a guy a lot of money, if any money. Um and we know that that you know the New England family is the New England family, and if we've learned every, anything from the history, it's that when a guy gets let go, you know there's there's a pretty decent likelihood that that guy will be welcomed back into that family. So unless you do an Eric Mangini, then you'll be casted aside <laughs> forever. So yeah, I mean, I, I, absolutely, there's there's a chance that that Josh comes back. I don't know when that would be. I don't know what his job would be. I don't know if Bill O'Brien would go. Those are all questions for another time. But just the idea of McDaniel's returning to New England, I don't think is crazy at all, given the circumstances. Score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get one hundred and fifty dollars in bonus bets with any winning five dollar money line bet. That's one hundred fifty bucks if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. I love the app. I use it all the time, all over the place. So visit FanDuel.com Boston and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. 21 plus and present in mass. Hope is here. First online real wager only. $5 pregame money line wager required. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued at non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling helpline ma.org or call 1-800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start. GameSenseMA.com or call 1-800-GAM-1234. All right, let's move on to the uh, trade deadline. Obviously, that was uh, news yesterday. And the Patriots made news for really not doing anything newsworthy. They just they sat, they stood pat. And uh, I want to ask you about your initial reaction to the trade deadline. I'm sure a lot of people have seen the clip from Felger and Mass yesterday when you kind of went off. Um, And and I've got another thing that I want to ask you about, and that was about Belichick's press conference this morning. But before we get to that, just your initial reaction on uh, on the status quo yeah um not surprised and you know and, and i pretty much same have the same opinion that i gave on felger and Maz, which is like fine if this is what you want to do if you want to you know bungle asset management as has been done here in recent years um 
to help contribute to where the team is uh, two and six right now, um, then that's fine. But, you know, if you don't want to be, but the bottom line is you need to sign these guys to contracts. Like you can't not take anything, basically put the word out that you're not really listening. I mean, it wasn't exactly um, an enticing sales offer to, you know, the rest of the league when, you know, the party line from New England is, you know, we're only going to do something if it's if it's compelling. Um, I don't know why they think they're in a, a power position to say that. I would ju- I would have been like Kramer and Seinfeld with you know creative trades. Uh, <laughs> what was it with the T-shirt? He traded a T-shirt for a van. Interesting trades accepted or something like that. Like that's what I would have put out there, and just just to hear, like you know, I mean. A fourth round pick for Josh Uche would have done it. Um, Kyle Duggar, I would have thought more about it. But, you know, look, Nick, the bottom line is if these guys are here, that's fine. If they believe like in these players, their young core, then start signing freaking players to second contracts and not punters. You know, they don't sign anybody to second contracts. When the price gets up there, they let them go. Or, you know, in the old days, what they used to do was overpay for like Devin McCourty or Dante Hightower when they get one foot out the door. So, you know, you know, like you said, with Raiders and McDaniels and Ziegler, the Patriots need to freaking pick a lane and go there. Like, stop doing this half-ass stuff. And then, you know, and then at the end of the day, when you be surprised that Kyle Duggar and Josh Uche get offered $15 million a year. And you're like, what, what $15 million? <laughs> like what? We're not going to pay that. Like, what the hell are you talking? What? This is a four. Who's giving them $15 million. The rest of the league, you jackasses. Like, you know, know the valuations of the player in the present day league, you know, not 30 years ago, and then pay the freight. Don't be cheap. So if these guys start walking out the door and they get jack crap from it because they're signing eight free agents, half of whom who suck in the offseason, like 2021, then this is a joke. So, I, you know, look, they made their decision. I'm fine with it as long as they do something. But I provide, you know, I, I reserve the right to rip them a new one come, you know, March 20th or whatever it is, if all these guys go out the door and the Patriots don't do anything. Yeah, interesting trades considered. Um, when I, when I look at when I look at uh, Washington, right? I think a part of this, and and look, I have a lot of thoughts. I'm not going to share them all, or, or even close to to all of them uh, on this podcast because you know I, I've got my own pod that'll really dig deep into all of this. It's the Nick Cattle Show, if you want to check it out, the Nick Cattle Show. Uh, but I'll just touch a little bit before we move on with Greg on the on the Belichick press conference today. So the, the Washington handling was fascinating, Greg, because one of the conversations that we had leading up to this was would Robert Kraft, if this team was one and seven or two and six, as they were at yesterday's deadline, would Kraft walk into the room and give Belichick a mandate and say, look, we, we've got to start trying to trade some of these guys, Bill. If you don't think these guys are going to be here for the long term, we've got to move on. We've got to move forward. And, you know, Kraft has stepped in at certain times. He stepped in with the Jimmy G Brady thing. So, you know, there there have been, and, and he stepped in reportedly with the Bill O'Brien thing this last offseason. So Kraft has stepped into football matters. He's not Jerry Jones. He's not going to do it every single day, every single minute. But he has done it in the past. It's obvious that Kraft did not do that. 
in that this was a Bill Belichick run trade deadline. You look at Washington, and apparently, you know, I, I don't know who posted it yesterday. I don't know if it was Diana Rossini or somebody else. But, uh, you know, reportedly, ownership in Washington said, no, we're trading Sweat and we're trading Young and we're getting what we can get for those guys because we're resetting this organization. And ownership made that decision and told the GM to execute the plan. Even though the coaches thought that they had a better team than everybody else thought on the outside, the ownership stepped up and said, no, we're picking this path and this is what we're doing. So it's another challenge of having head coach Belichick and GM Belichick trying to serve both roles. Because if Ron Rivera is head coach and GM and the ownership doesn't step up yesterday, whether you think it was the right thing or not, those trades aren't happening in Washington. Ron Rivera is holding on to his two pass rushers. Defensive guy, we're going to go in, we're going to win games on defense, we're going to turn this thing around. So I thought that was interesting. Media today, Greg. Belichick was asked, and I give Phil Perry a lot of credit because Phil would not acquiesce. He, the, the bull kept charging at Belichick. And, you know, Bill was asked several times about, you know, the decisions that were made and, and and all he wanted to do is give us the, you know, we're, we're getting ready for Washington business. And, you know, was, was smarmy. Little transparency. Really no accountability for what happened at the deadline yesterday or didn't happen. Just your thoughts on how, because to me it's like, look, this, this kind of stuff works when you're winning. But I paid over $500 to go to that Saints game a few weeks ago. So personally, out of my pocket, 500 bucks out of my pocket to go watch that crap product. And if I'm a fan, I want an explanation why, you know, you did nothing yesterday. And for Belichick to stand up there at two and six and just treat this thing like, you know, we're, we're still in, we're still in, you know, 2018. To me, it's a little frustrating and annoying. Hold on. I don't know if your microphone's on, Greg. You sound a little different there. Want to make sure you got your golden pipes working. There you go. Is that better? Okay. Sorry. I had a little, um, <laughs> should make an interesting replay when I uh, spilled my coffee a little bit uh, a couple of minutes ago. Um, so I haven't seen Belichick's press conference yet. I've seen a little bit of the response on Twitter. And, you know, look, I obviously um, take your word on it. You and I see things, you know, very similar. And I, I think you, you, you judge things, especially from a fan's perspective, um, very well, you know, which is part of the reason I love having you on here. And, um, you know, if, if that's what went on, if that, you know, Bill basically, you know, he's, he's being, his, his feet are being put to the fire to just simply, you know, come out and give a reason why you didn't do things. And he didn't give any reasons. That's basically what you're saying, moving on. Yeah, I'm going to actually – I'm going to pull this up because Andrew Callahan had the full uh, okay. transcript of the questions. And your mic is still a little funky, so you can check that out as I go through the quick transcript here for, for people listening who might not have uh, seen or heard this just yet. So the first question was, trade deadline was yesterday. Was it a busy day? Belichick said, yeah, we're getting ready for Washington. Follow-up question was, were you close on anything? The answer, spent time getting ready for Washington. Next question, when you say you spent time getting ready for Washington, 
Is that just there wasn't much that sort of percolated on the trade front for you guys? Answer from Belichick. Yeah, again, we talked about this the other day. The personnel department, the coaching department, we talked about that last week. It's just another day. Another question was, so there really weren't any decisions to make on your end. Belichick responded, if there was anything to talk about, we talked about it. If there wasn't anything to talk about, then I worked on Washington and the personnel people worked on personnel things. And then we got into the Phil Perry section and uh, Belichick, Bill and and Phil, Bill and Phil, uh, (laughs) they've had a thing going on here this season. And so Phil, Phil asked, Bill, I'm really not trying to beat a dead horse here, but I just want to clarify, you mentioned the personnel department handles the trade stuff. In trade discussions, maybe with other teams, but you are part of the personnel department here. Why? And then Bill cut him off. Said, Phil, I just said the same thing. We talked about this 50 times. If they have something that they think I need to know about, then we talk about it. If I have a personnel situation that I think they need to know about, I tell them about it. And then they look into it. It's the same thing I've said the last 50 times we've talked about this. We work together when there's something to work together on. If there's not something to work together on, I coach, they do personnel. And then Perry followed up. I was just trying to clarify just because you make it sound like two different things. Our understanding is you're part of, and Bill cut him off again and said, yes. If there's something that we need to talk about, then we talk about it. And if there isn't something to talk about, we don't just sit there and stare at each other all day. That's kind of funny. We both have other stuff to do. Their department, the coaching department, there's other things going on. So we don't just sit there and stare at each other and see if the phone's going to ring or there's going to be something on the news or whatever. We have stuff to do. So that is the full transcript from Andrew Callahan. Um, And again, it was just, it's more of Bill trying to deflect and then trying to muddy the waters about what his role is with this team and then not really giving the fans anything as far as why the decisions you made were the decisions that you made. And I just, it's kind of Bill being Bill. And again, when when you're successful and you're winning, I think we can give you a pass on that kind of stuff because when you say we're doing what's best for the football team and you're winning 10-plus games and going to the playoffs and winning championships, okay, we buy in. That's, that's, that's an all-in kind of situation. Okay, we get it. But when you're, when you're in the situation you're in now and you handle that the way you handled it, I just think fans deserve more accountability and they deserve a little bit of transparency as far as why this thing went the way it went. Yeah. Um, so first of all, my microphone, I can't switch back to my other mic. So yeah, I'm not going to sound as well, but we're going to be wrapping up here shortly anyways. And I will give further thoughts probably to a solo pod, um, to, uh, give you more of my thoughts on the Dolphins game. But, uh, first of all, great job by Phil today. And I think you're absolutely right, but this is, you know, hopefully the crafts are watching and paying attention because this is on them. Either, you know, it's sort of like we talk about with coaching sometimes with mistakes that happen on teams. And now there are mistakes happening with Patriots organization. Um, You're either coaching it to happen or you're allowing it to happen. And, you know, the the crafts, this is their product, you know, and at two and six and, you know, heading for your third losing season in four years, it's not a very good product. And, you know, for... Are they okay with Bill Belichick not answering questions about it, about, you know, where the decisions that get made in this franchise, you know, his role in it, things like that. Are they happy with that? Are they okay with that? Then fine, you know, leave them be. But, you know, my first thought is, you know, if this continues to go south, this could be 
you know, part of the ammunition that the crafts used to move on from Belichick, that he's not, you know, doing all the duties needed to be the head coach of the New England Patriots. And so, um, you know, like you said, it's not surprising that Belichick did that. It's, it's disappointing. And I just think it's, it's flat out wrong. Like you, you, you wanted this power. You wanted to be the grand poobah. Answer the freaking questions. You know, it's not that hard. And the fans deserve answers, especially when you're not winning. And again, three out of four years having a losing record. That's what they're headed towards. So, you know, can't just point to uh, the last 25 years, you know, like he did at the owners meetings anymore. That's not good enough you know, in terms of what people should believe in. So um, not good enough by Belichick. At least it shouldn't be, you know, unless Patriots fans are a bunch of sheep. But that's not the Patriots fans that I know. I know there are some of them. The Bilbo's out there, but you know the Patriots fans I know hold the feet to the fire. The Red Sox, the Bruins, the Celtics—they want better of their teams. They expect better, and um, this isn't good enough in any way, shape, or form. All right. So before we bid everybody adieu, uh, Greg says he's going to do a solo podcast, get into a little bit more of the details of the game on Sunday. But just your thirty thousand foot view, Greg, before we go uh, about that game on Sunday in Miami. Yeah, maybe we'll just talk more about it tomorrow, you know, a little bit before we talk about other things. I mean, there's just so much crap going on. You know? <laughs> um, but, you know, you know, a few big things. And, and look, if you're a BSJ member, you get my thoughts on, on all of this over there, including game film analysis of it. Um, on the offense, Mac Jones was not good enough. But and that, that could be the bottom line. You know, like Jimmy Garoppolo, there are enough plays out there. Um, the interception. Um, the third and goal sack that he took, um, a couple other things. I mean, he's, he's not playing. He, you brought up earlier, and I totally agreed, like through the first couple weeks, um, you know, he was playing winning football. He has ceased to do that. Every single week he is now on the negative ledger of migrating. It's not all on him. Um, you know, my other thought is, and, and I broke down a lot of plays, a lot of the key plays, especially the one of nine third downs, uh, on BSJ, the passing game is a complete mess. The spacing, the routes run, how they're run, like it's all a mess. And you add in like there's usually on third down or some sort of key play, you once every now three plays instead of, you know, two out of every four plays, there's a pass protection breakdown that screws things up. So there, there are all sorts of issues with this offense that need to go someplace. And that includes Mac. Like, again, like I said, um, you know, going into the Bills game, which, you know, basically over the last, I think it's four games or five games, the fourth quarter against the Bills is really the only time Max played really good football and elevated everybody else. Um, to me, that's not good enough. Um, to me, it's there on film if you wanted to bench Mac. This is what I said going into the Bills. I still believe that off of this game. Um, you know, it's just not good enough on offense. On defense, you know, I hear people like, you know, Mike Lombardi, one of Bills' guys, talking about how the defense was pretty good and the yards per play against the dog was good, 5.3 yards. Um, they held them to, you know, whatever on third down. It was uh, 5 of 14 on third down. And, you know, they did this, and that's a good – they played good defense. That's a good measure. I mean, come on. You know, in, in 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 the traditional game, in the old school game, I'm sure Bill Belichick thought they were good enough. 
But the Dolphins don't play that game anymore. They don't care if they're in third and 14. They'll pick up eight, nine, ten yards and have fourth and three and actually go for it, which Bill Belichick will never do, and get it. I mean, they ran 77 plays. They were three to three on fourth down. They had 138 yards and two touchdowns on five plays. You can have the rest of your, you know, just do the math on the rest of the yards per play. You can have that. The Dolphins just want to hit on five or six plays a game to beat you, and that's what they do to everybody. So, you know, there were a lot of key breakdowns. Everybody pretty much knows them. It's not good enough on defense. Like, you know, playing good for 72 plays or 70 plays against the Dolphins, you know, might have worked in 1994. It doesn't work anymore. And the Patriots just aren't good enough. The Dolphins are too good at this point. And, you know, that's sort of where I see the state of the team going into the, you know, Washington. My two thirty thousand feet uh, points here. First, I don't think anybody watches Mac Jones and feels like he's good enough right now. I, I, I it, you'd be delusional if you're telling me that you know he was good on on Sunday against Miami. And I, I do think you know, I I put a long post out there because I'm so tired of going back and forth on Mac Jones and every little scintilla of information and blah. I put out yeah. a long post earlier this week on Mac at Nixie Radio if you want to check it out. Basically, I think Mac came into the league as a guy who could have been a QB1, average to above average. And I know some people think that he just stinks, and that's why he stinks now, and that's cool. Opinions, we all got them, great. My opinion is that they ruined the quarterback. They gave him no chance to be that guy after 2021. And now inevitably, without any confidence and without the necessary tools around him, he looks like a shattered quarterback way too often. That's that's what I feel. The other thing I would say just quickly is I'm really irritated, Greg, about the 90-10 coverage of this football team. And what I mean by that is 90% of the coverage is Mac Jones, 10% is on the rest of the team. That infuriates me. It doesn't have to be that way. I've worked in radio for 15-plus years. The reason why people talk 90% of the quarterback is because hosts and producers choose to do that. The fact is there's a lot of things wrong with this team. And, yes, some of it is minutia, and you don't have to get into the minutia. But context matters. Nuance matters. And I'm just I'm, – I'm, I'm irritated because everybody wants to spend 90% of the time talking about the, the Mac Jones interception. Look, again, Mac has not been good enough, and I, that's part of the story. Obviously, but to spend 90% of the conversation on that interception in the second freaking quarter and not talk about the several breakdowns defensively after that pick, the Patriots were within a touchdown twice in the second half in this game. The offense got back within a touchdown. You know what happened? The defense gave up 70 plus yard touchdown drives immediately following. So maybe if the defense came up with a stop, and got you the football again when you were down 24-17, who knows what happens? Maybe if the defense gets you the football again, if it's 17-10, who knows what happens? You know, maybe if you don't have two coverage busts, maybe if you can get them off the field when they're third down and 14 twice, and third and 13, and third and nine. Like, we, how about the rest of these guys? If I'm a Patriot, I would love Mac Jones right now. I'd love it, because I'd say, hey, well, you know, uh, every, he's going to get 90% of the blame. I'd love it right now. He's Greg. I'm Nick. 
Uh, it's Greg Bedard, Patriots Podcast with Nick Cattles, brought to you by FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. We'll be back to uh, preview this Washington game coming up. Uh, that'll happen uh, tomorrow. Uh, thanks for joining us, and we'll see you soon. FanDuel is the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 Moneyline bet. FanDuel official partner of the NFL.